Hey, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you on Palm Sunday. Can you believe it? It's Easter. Can you believe it? Really? Like it's Easter already. I just felt like the year just started and now we're in Easter. Who, who feels the same way? I think most of us. The year has gone flying past. And I think often when it comes to Easter or Christmas, I don't know if you're the same as me, to be honest, sometimes it just rolls past. Sometimes we kind of forget to really think about what it really means for us. So let's go back today. We're going to go back to Palm Sunday, 2022 years ago. Imagine being there. Imagine being a part of the crowd on this day. Thousands of people, people coming from all over to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Crowds and crowds and crowds of people. And there's something happening. There's this guy called Jesus and everyone's asking this question. Is he the Messiah? Is he the one we've been waiting for for so long? Is he the prophesied one? And people are excited. They're starting to anticipate something is happening. Everybody knows something is happening. Even the Pharisees and the scribes, they are very concerned. Even the Romans were concerned about, oh, what, what if the Jewish people decide to revolt? Everybody is anticipating something. So my question for us this morning is, are we excited? Are we excited about Easter? Do we get excited about what it means for us? I think so often we do forget to reflect on the true meaning of Easter, what it truly means for you and for me and for our families and for our community. So my challenge is, don't let this Easter just be another one. Actually use the opportunity, use this week to as a family, in your marriages, in your relationships, your friends, to spend time, to spend time reflecting on what it truly means for you, what the invitation of Jesus means for you. And also what it means for the people around you. I think we can be guilty of thinking, oh, three long weekends in a row. <laughs> Fun. Get to just relax. But maybe this week, let's use this time intentionally as we draw closer to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We're going to look this morning at the same, uh, Sophie used the Gospel of Mark's account. And this morning we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark. And so if we think about Mark and the person it is, he's a really interesting guy. And so Mark's way of portraying Jesus is really interesting because if you open up the start of the book of Mark, there's nothing really about Jesus' family history. There's nothing really about Jesus' career or what he did. Mark's just straight on the scene. He's all about action straight up. And he wants to tell us who this Jesus is. He wants to tell us Jesus is full of power. He is God in flesh here. He wants to really show us Jesus' actions. He wants to show us what Jesus did. His power over demons, his power over death, his power. And also who he truly was. Who is this Jesus? So with that background in mind, and as we think of that, we need to think about the fact that the Bible is one unified, amazing story pointing to Jesus. And nothing in the Bible is by coincidence. Everything is there purposefully inspired by the Holy Spirit. So, my, so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at the passage just before the triumphant entry. And it's quite interesting. Why did Mark put it there? 
So let's look at Mark 10, verse 46 to 52. Let's read it together this morning. They, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to him the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him this question. What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus responds, Go. Said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately you received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Right after this is the following passage is triumphant entry. Quite interesting. Why did Mark put it there? So some of the emphasis is here. That, that question, what do you want me to do for you, is a really interesting one. Because the man's blind, so it's quite obvious what he would have wanted Jesus to do. He says he wants to see. And Jesus' response is, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. So I want you to discuss with one another, the person next to you, why did Mark in his gospel account include this particular story right before we find Jesus' triumphant entry, right before we this Palm Sunday, before Jesus comes in on a donkey into Jerusalem? Why would Mark have put the story about the blind man right before it? Because it's not in the other accounts. In the other accounts, in John's account, we see the story of Lazarus, Jesus coming from far away, hearing about his friend, his dear friend who died. And Jesus comes and resurrects Lazarus. In Luke's account, we see he's using Jesus doing some more teaching, talking in parables. Interesting. Why did Mark put this story there? Discuss with one another. Let's see if you can come up with some ideas. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave that question hanging there for a little bit. And we will come back to it. But this morning, I want us to, when we look at the Palm Sunday, a lot of us have actually heard many messages or have heard the the different accounts and have heard the Bible read out about Palm Sunday. And so this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at the Aussie Bible, or I'm going to read for you from the Aussie Bible, from Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 11. Okay, so no no words on the screen. What I want you to do is maybe to close your eyes and just listen to the story afresh. Listen to it in a my South African Aussie accent and uh, listen to the story afresh. Think about some of the details, things you haven't considered before in this different translation. Jesus hits the big smoke. As Jesus and his team reached the outskirts of Jerusalem around Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olive, Olive, he sent two of them on ahead. Pop down to the next town, he told them. As soon as you arrive, you'll see a nag, a young horse that's never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you what's going on, just say the master needs it. It'll be back soon. They nicked off to the next town, find, found the nag by the doorway in the main street. Some blokes who were hanging around said, what do you think you're doing with the nag? They repeated what Jesus had said and the blokes said, All right then. They brought the nag back to Jesus, threw some cloaks on its back, and Jesus sat on the beast. 
Some of the mob got excited and threw their branches from the palm trees and even their own coats on the ground. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. The mob was barracking and cheering. On your Jesus, on your God. Go Jesus, his God's promised one. The new King David, on your God, what a beauty. When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, he went straight to the temple and took a squiz at everything. But because it was already late in the afternoon, he went back to Bethany with the team. Interesting to listen to a different translation. So what stood out to you? What was different in that story? What what kind of perked your interest? Well, for me, it was kind of the same things we always draw out, but in, in some different ways. Firstly, a donkey, a nag, seriously, a king coming in to a town on a donkey. Doesn't that seem odd? It's kind of strange, isn't it? We think about all the movies we've seen and all the kings coming in to take their ownership of the, of the city. They don't come in on a donkey. Here is Jesus coming in on a donkey. See, this donkey was actually foretold by a prophecy in Zechariah. Zechariah 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, the people of the city of Jerusalem. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt. Interesting, isn't it? It was foretold that Jesus would come in on a donkey. Is he maybe a different type of king? to what they would have expected? Jesus, a different type of king? Well, another thing that I found really interesting about this passage is how excited the crowds got. Why were they so excited? Why were all the people in the towns coming out and why were people so excited about this Jesus? And why were people taking their cloaks off and throwing it on the ground and taking palm branches and waving it in, in a demonstration of victory and rejoicing? Interesting, why the crowds get so excited? Who did they think this Jesus was? And what did they think he was here to do? Well, it's interesting. They started recounting this psalm, Psalm 118. And Psalm 118 is a psalm of deliverance. A psalm that shouts and declares that God has delivered his people, delivered the Israelites. And it reads this, Lord, save us. In other translations, Hosanna, Lord, grant us success. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord. We bless you. We hear the crowd shouting these words and the Jewish people would have known these passages. Remember, they grew up learning from their grandparents and from their own parents everything about the Bible. They would have heard these Psalms over and over and over again. They recounted it as they saw Jesus coming in makes us ask the question, why? This is Mark's actual version from the NIV. Mark 11, verse 9, it says, Those went out ahead and those who were followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Here we start seeing a glimpse of what the Israelites thought Jesus was here to do. 
See, they wanted Jesus to bring forth these, the kingdom of our father David, an earthly kingdom, a political one, a one who would overthrow Rome. All they saw was like Sophie pointed out, tunnel vision. They only wanted Jesus to restore what was happening at their current time. Wanted to restore the nation of Israel back to their rightful place as rulers over the city of Jerusalem. Oh, how they missed it. It's interesting, this same crowd that shouted Hosanna on Sunday is the same exact crowd of people who shouted crucify him on Friday. Interesting how quickly the crowd changes their tone. I don't know if you're like me, but, or like the people in Townsville, on one Friday night, we can shout, go Cowboys, can the Cowboys. The next week, the Cowboys lose and, ah, the Cowboys. Interesting how quick in our human nature we change. The same crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna on Sunday and then shouted, crucify him on Friday. The same people who marked themselves as followers of Jesus. See, these crowds saw all these things Jesus did. They saw all these miracles and they saw what, the power that Jesus had. And they all shouted, yay, the King of Israel is here. But then as the crowd shifted and as the Pharisees shifted and, and people betrayed Jesus, all of a sudden the same crowd of people started shouting, Jesus, crucify him crucify so my question is what were the crowds there for why were all the crowds there what were they doing there why were they there following Jesus what would they want from Jesus what were their motives and similarly a bit more pointed back at us what are he, we here for? What do we want from Jesus? What are our motives? See, I think the crowds were way more concerned about what Jesus could do for them versus what Jesus really wanted to do in them. I think they were really concerned about what was happening in their current realities and the physical changes they wanted to see around them. But they actually did not, they missed the reality that Jesus wanted to change something spiritually in them. See, the Bible, the whole story of the Bible is that as a God is a God of relationship. He wants to be in relationship with you. He created us to live in perfect relationship with Him in the garden. Because of our own rebellion against God, we sin and we turn our backs on God. We decided, no, we can do it our own way. We know a better way. We can see how that's played out over humanity. Humanity thinking that they've got it all figured out. We even see here in the crowds, they thought they had it all figured out. All they needed was just a king to come and just throw over with power, throw over the Romans and everything will be fine. But God knew that there was something wrong with the human condition. God knew there was something wrong about our hearts and it was our hearts that needed to change. Not our physical reality. Yes, Jesus' kingdom is different. It throws the world upside down. It changes our physical reality, but more so it changes our spiritual reality. It changes our reality from a sinful death to a new life in eternity with Jesus. 
And that's what the Easter story is all about. Jesus bringing forth spiritual healing for all who believe in Him. Jesus bringing forth restoration from relationship between us and God. See, God is a holy God. And if we are sinful people, there's no way we can relate and connect with God. But because of what Jesus did, He actually has made us righteous, made an open doorway for us to be in relationship with God. The veil has been torn. We can enter into the holies of holies and be with God. He has reconciled us to God. We have redemption in Jesus because of what He did. And that's why at Easter, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Him and all about what He's done for us, all about His sacrifice for you and for me. The Bible was lots to say about Jesus, but here's a couple of verses. In John 1, this is what uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As Jesus approaches, this is who He declares Jesus is. In 2 Corinthians, this is what Paul writes about Jesus. He's, he said, For He made Him, God made Him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Jesus took all our sin upon Him, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, we might become right with God because of Jesus. And Romans 10, this is what it says If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And in John 5, this is what Jesus' words is Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who leaves God who has sent me has eternal life. He does, not, he, has not, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. These are the promises that we see Jesus declaring to all of us this Easter again and again. So why did Mark include the story? Mark wants us as the readers of this gospel to see Jesus clearly. He wants us to recognize that we are blind too. And it's only Jesus that can give us sight to see who He really is. See, Mark's gospel is all about pointing out who is this Messiah, Jesus. And the last story he uses before Jesus comes into Jerusalem is to make us think about the blind seeing again. Jesus healing us to be able to see Him. Who is this Jesus? So can you see? Can you see who Jesus truly is? Can you see Him as the Messiah, as the Savior of your life? These are Jesus' words to Bartimaeus. And Jesus said to him after He healed him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed Him on the way. See, even when we accept Jesus into our life, we still have the choice to make whether we want to follow Him for the rest of our lives. Go your way, Jesus says to him. Bartimaeus could have gone off in a different direction, but when he saw Jesus clearly, he knew that he was the Messiah and his faith had restored his sight, his faith in Jesus. Then he decided to follow Jesus. So we each, this week, as we approach Easter, as we look at Easter story and what it means for us, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. Do we want to use this week to reflect on what Jesus has actually done for us? Do we want to sit in that truth and in the promises that Jesus made for you and for me? 
Do we want to just go on with our lives and do our own thing? Or do we actually want to come and surrender our lives to Jesus, to follow him? My challenge is don't let this Easter just roll by for you and your family. Take this time with family and friends and discover the story afresh. I've actually printed out some resources that mainly music, I believe, have put together Easter resources for every day of the week that you can take as a family's kids activities and stuff in it as well. So you can actually explore the story of Easter together. I encourage you to do that. To personally create some time. Who is Jesus to you? What has he done for you? And maybe even then, as we follow Jesus, maybe he wants us to share with somebody that does not know Jesus. Maybe this Easter, this week, we can have opportunity to talk to someone about what we believe Easter is all about. As we saw in that video from Carl Faye's, Easter is fourth respected holiday in Australia. Is Easter really just about Easter eggs? Or is it about something way more than that? It's about a story of a God that loves his creation so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you and for me so we can find resurrection life in him. I have this video I would like us to spend some time just reflecting on what we said this morning and what the Bible has revealed to us this morning. For little kids... There are some scenes for parents. There are some scenes in there about Jesus on the cross. So quite real depictions of Jesus' crucifixion. So if you have little kids and you are a bit concerned about those scenes and how they would think about it, also it could be an opportunity to have some conversations with them. I would encourage you, there's some, there's some of those resources out there. Feel free to make your way out. It's just in the last 30 seconds of the video. It's about a four-minute video. So you can watch the first bit and then if you wanted your kids not to see it. But it is the truth. The Easter story is not some fun-loving story. It is a story about love, but it took a great sacrifice, did it not? A sacrifice where Jesus took all the sin and punishment that we deserved on himself. Let's have a look at this video.